From KIOS in Omaha and Exorbing Creative, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. On today's show, I have a conversation with filmmakers Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick, founders of the new Nebraskan production company Gnarly Pioneers, whose recent productions The Hero and The Feed premiered at the Prairie Lights Film Festival. I just know that's why you switch to directing, because you say, this is my vision, and I don't gel well with the person above me. And so you kind of, I know yeah, that's big I would thing. say that's accurate. There's a control freak in you who needed something. I didn't something. want to say it. <laughs> yeah. Snyder and Shenick discuss their unique partnership and how each of them has something different to provide in their filmmaking journey together. After a break, stick around for my conversation with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick right here on Riverside Chats. Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers. The coronavirus pandemic is changing everything. How we work, how we interact, how we move around or don't, and how we deal with being caught up in that change, which is happening really fast. So to help you process it all, we have started a new podcast, a way for you to get the latest news and science on the pandemic. Because we think being informed is the best way to get through this thing. So every weekday, you will hear conversations and stories from NPR journalists who are covering the virus, the public health fight against it, and how the world is coping. In about 10 minutes, NPR will give you what you need to know about this fast-moving story. We're calling it Coronavirus Daily. You can find new episodes right here every weekday afternoon. Hello? Want to be a manchi boy? Listen to Omaha's new goofy food podcast, The Munchie Boys. Every week, we get food from a different local restaurant. Let's go. We munch. Yes, there is munch. And talk about the experience. What we got. Where did we go? We're still there. Two boxes of food. In lighthearted banter. I just jammed the rest of the Mediterranean in my mouth. Meatball-based items. In a way that is both zany. This is going to be crazy. We might end up throwing up. And fun. My hands are burning. Hell yeah. Every episode features an exclusive song. Do, 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 do. Where we sing about our weekly adventures and feature a different analog synthesizer. It's a synth model. Play the track now. Now, yeah. we yeah. It sounds like haha, bro. Check out Munchie Boys it's on Spotify, YouTube, streaming or streaming, and most other digital outlets. <laughs> That's what happens. Munchie, Munchie, Munchie Boys. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I have a conversation with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick, whose new production company, Gnarly Pioneers, has entered the Nebraska filmmaking scene with projects like The Hero and The Feed, both of which premiered at the Prairie Lights Film Festival. Shenick and Snyder also discussed several upcoming projects they intend to shoot in Nebraska once COVID concerns no longer hold up productions. Here is my conversation with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick. So you two, are you both from Nebraska? Yeah. 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 Uh, Lincoln. Lincoln, Nebraska, both of us. I, yeah, you, you were born Lincoln. Yeah. So do you guys, did you both grow up in Lincoln your whole lives then? Yep. Say, I've never, my, the only time I leave it now is because my parents moved to Florida. To so go visit them? Yeah, this, which is great because I get to go down and go to Florida, but. And they're not here sometimes. Yeah, yeah Sometimes yeah. can be great too. Say, the, it's not too bad. <laughs> they left when I was in college to go down there, so the just job opportunities and uh so i kind of got to party on my own in lincoln for a while nice were yeah. you guys both big film buffs growing up oh yeah oh yeah uh i i didn't think of it as 
as ever being something I wanted to do growing up. I just watched a lot of movies as a kid. Both of my my parents were both casually um, into movies, so I just had a lot of content as a kid that I probably wasn't supposed to watch. I find that um, I, I think that's helpful for people to watch too many things, like basically to have no filter. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not have traded that. My dad was kind of the same way. My parents were young when I was born. So basically it was sort of like I would just watch whatever they wanted to watch. Yep. And there wasn't much of like a, let's find the kids' shows yeah, for them. Might sort as of well. Um, yeah, so I just, it was just a lot of exposure to content. I, I don't remember like specifically like being obsessed with film, but I, I watched them constantly. Um, and then – we both actually have backgrounds in theater. That's where we mm-hmm. started. Okay. That's how we um, met in, through Lincoln High down in Lincoln. So um, what shows were you doing? In high school? Sure. Oh, yeah. tons of stuff. Um, the Tempest. Tempest was, was good. I, was, I got to play um, Ferdinand in The yeah, Tempest. That's he was fun. fantastic in that. So you can do the Shakespearean thing uh, and I, pull it off? I think I can pull it off. I wouldn't say it's my, my, my forte, but it's definitely – it's fun. It's fun to have someone who really knows Shakespeare explain to you how a character is not as stiff and pompous as you thought because it's all dirty jokes. Yeah. Um, on, on the other hand, I love Shakespeare. Um, I've performed with Flatwater Shakespeare on a few occasions. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, those have been some of the most rewarding theater experiences I've had. Where does that come from, that love of Shakespeare? Oof, I don't know. Probably high school. We we were lucky enough to have um, a woman named Patsy Kojons for our theater director. Shout Although out to Patsy. Halfway through my high school career, she retired. Um, but she was really good about making theater seem interesting. And so I would probably give a lot of the credit to her. She's the she's the current education. She's on the board of education. Uh, on the board of education. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I find most people in high school, when they encounter Shakespeare, that's when they learn they don't like him. You know? yeah. So you've got kind of the opposite story. Yeah. So, yeah, we, did, we met. He was a senior when I was a freshman. So we didn't really – know each other much in high school um very casually um did you pick on him jazz i, I don't know you'd I have to answer so. that i don't we didn't him. even see each other I, it enough. was such a such a rare thing for me theater was not a thing that i did and i wasn't an actor until my junior year i was doing technical work on it oh, i was wow. building sets very harrison ford uh it's <laughs> another time i get to reference him he hates harrison ford i don't hate harrison you ford. said i hate harrison ford on the way here <laughs> I hate Harrison Ford as an actor, not as a person. Okay, I want to clarify. Okay, <laughs> noted. Um, but <laughs> it was it was um, just being in being around our you know Patsy Kojans and just having people always surrounded by people who love theater. They kind of convinced me to be brave enough to go and do it. And then my first time I actually tried out for a play was getting into the Shakespeare play, and it was super daunting because I was the one of the ingenues, one of the lower lower leads in this. Um, and I've loved the stage ever since. I've loved performing ever since. That, like, something changed in me, you know, from that point. And that goes along with the film thing is that I, I was into film beforehand, but I was kind of a, like, closed-off kid, nerdy yeah. about film, had my film friends, found theater, learned I could talk to people, and learned I could be a social person on my own. Would you say you're generally introverted, though? It's kind of a mood thing. I kind of swap. Like, I almost have these, like, switch-off days where I'm extroverted and I'm introverted or I'm super introverted and then someone will call me up and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go do something. And then all of a sudden it flops over. Um, I've never – for a long time I was just the ultimate introvert. And then I got out of my shell, but I stopped thinking as much about what I was doing. That's a hard trick to learn, that one. Yeah. And then once I got 
kind of calmed down as you know as college ended and I was really had a lot of friendships change and that sort of thing it was like well I'm kind of kind of find a balance here Mm -hmm. so I'm all about balance I'm all about can't be too much of one thing or the other sure my experience was almost completely opposite (laughs) let's hear it I was extremely um, bombastic and I still can be um, as you know oh yeah Um, I was very extroverted as a kid um, always the center of attention, class clown, all the way through high school um, into early in college. And then just over the last five years or so, I've slowly become a lot more introverted. I would say I'm probably more introverted than you are now. Oh, well, you know, we um, go back and Generally forth. speaking. I don't but, like to hang out with um, people that yeah, much. Yeah, me neither. That's <laughs> why <laughs> um, we never see each other. Yeah, so, yeah, theater was a big thing. Um, our paths really crossed. We did Red Theater Lincoln. We technically are still members, but um, not to Red Theater. They got a show coming. No, they don't. Because our first show, stupid yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, we're in a weird stage where I it's like this show it. is supposed to be promoting all kinds of things, yeah. but nothing's happening now. Our shows. Yeah. Uh, our first show in Red Theater was the same show, and we were a part of the Red Theater company together for for multiple years after that. Um, so and then the film thing really started to kick off in high school. Then you decided you wanted to keep acting, like you sort of got the bug. Yeah, I got the bug in high school. I didn't do any theater till I was in high school. Okay. Um, I did all theater throughout high school, and then I didn't even start working in film until about 18 months ago. Okay. Well, yeah. let, we'll build there. We'll get to that. But, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm curious. So acting, the appeal for you, it sounds like for jazz, it was like this magical moment where it's like, oh, I didn't know that I had this connection to it. But once he had it, it's like they're, you know, he's addicted to it. Mm-hmm. For you, it sounds like you were more interested in general to get to that point. What is it about acting that's so appealing to you? Oddly enough, uh, I'm not that interested in acting anymore. It was very appealing to me at the time. Um, I don't know. I liked the idea of um, being able to embody something different. Um, I had a lot of insecurities throughout that age, 14 to 18. Um, So that was sort of my outlet for showing people that I have talent or that I thought I had talent. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a lot more selfish than it was. Um, related to having connection with the material. Was it for you, I mean, building the character, sort of like getting outside yourself, that was part of the idea? I did enjoy that, um, but really I just wanted people to watch me do something <laughs> that had some form of prestige. And it worked? You got attention? Yeah, it did. Because that's one of the, like a lot of people feel that way, and then they're not actually very good, and I feel like they just chase that forever. Yep, that's me. <laughs> I learned very quickly, though. I was like, you're, you're okay. You're decent. You're not very good. Maybe find something else. Something he once told me, and I'm not going to go too deep into it because it was a very like, kind of personal conversation that we had, but he told me that it, he felt like he, his creativity just didn't mesh. It was kind of stifled by the by the acting vibe that he couldn't find the people to work with him the way he thought about it. And I just know that's why you switched to directing because you can express that a little more and it's a little more, you know, able to say, this is my vision and I don't gel well with the person above me. And so you kind of, I know yeah, that's big I would thing. say that's accurate. There's a control freak in you who needed yeah. something. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's no, what you, you were saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely yeah. what I was implying. There's a certain level of control and then, you know, as most writer directors are aware, we hold our opinions and our tastes in high regard, and you don't really get to explore that often when you're just doing acting constantly. Sure, um, but it must have been helpful too to get inside how acting works or what makes oh yeah. successful acting, and then to then direct or even write for it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say my number one strength as a director, at least at this juncture in my in my young experience, is being able to work with actors. 
because I still will act on occasion. I'm in a play currently, actually. Um, and so I, I, I like to approach it from someone who's been there and can understand how frustrating it is if you're not on the same page. So, Jazz, when you, you – so you graduated high school, and then did you want to pursue acting after that? Did you know you had that still? Uh, it's kind of like – my going into college was kind of complicated in the sense that I didn't want to go. I was – like, school – had never been that just that thrilling to me. Um, I'm I, I don't like I'm not a genius by any means, but I've always found like I'm comfortable with my level of intelligence. I can learn things pretty well, and I just wanted to go out and explore and do things. But I got I, I'm a really good test taker. Like that's not a, a hard brag. It's just because it's not useful for anything. I was just really good at taking tests, so I did really well on my ACT. Got a scholarship to UNL, like pretty much full ride great but now all of a sudden i have to use that or i don't go to college and all i want to do is go not be in school and go live my life my parents said you know you've got it you got to go you got to do this okay so i went in immediately because i've been i've been at lincoln high they had a program with sec that taught you as their their media and technology course and i learned film editing and kind of some basics of filmmaking from that class and it was something I'd already been interested in. Now I got to do it and explore it with, you know, Final Cut Pro, which is, you know, higher end than I was ever going to have access to in, at that time. Now I'm like, well, the next step is obviously go to UNL, go to Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. I put stuff together. They weren't amazing things, but there was a showcase of my abilities. Go, submit it. They don't accept me. Just kind of a you know a stab in the gut, and right. I just I didn't quite recover from that immediately. Went into film studies, went into English, and had theater as a minor, so that I knew because I always knew that theater is something I want to keep in my life. It's just not my pursuit. It's film that I want to do. Um, but that theater minor saved me a lot because I was just it gave me an outlet mm-hmm. to pursue, and it's actually how part of how I got to go into Red Theater and meet up back up with Jesse. And explore some of my creativity was because of that theater minor and knowing a lot of people in the theater department, uh, especially a good friend of mine, Christian Novotny. Um, but it just kind of I plateaued on the film thing for a while, and it just theater was a was a was the net that caught me, and it kept me creative. It kept me going back until I could get back on my feet and do stuff creatively with filmmaking. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick. Filmmakers behind the new production company Gnarly Pioneers and the films The Hero and The Feed. Speaking first here is Jesse Snyder. I'm a list maker. I was like that too. My whole life growing up, I'm always asking, like, what are your top three Wes Anderson movies? And like, I have like, a I really hard time doing low. Yeah. For me, my lists always start at a 10, and I'm like, oh, but I really want people to know how much <laughs> I like that. So then they're 20, then they're 25. Yeah. Well, so Jesse, you, your obsession with lists, when, when did that start? Probably high school. So that usually comes along with the period of teaching yourself a lot of things and exposing yourself. Like, I'm going to watch – I know when I was in high school, I had that period where it's like, I'm going to watch every movie that anyone's ever talked about. Mm-hmm. And then your lists are almost like your way of categorizing or starting to think about, like, okay, what is it about it that I like? How do I you know, relate it to other things? So was that a period of self-discovery for you, sort of like what your taste actually was? Yeah, definitely. And I'm still doing it all the time. Still make lists? Yeah, I make lists on probably a daily basis almost. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. If I watch a a new movie, I'll put it into a list of, you know, for that particular director or, um, you know, anything like that. Anytime a director that I really like, 
makes a new film, I'll put it back. I'll make a new version of their list with the new film on it. And so when did filmmaking for you start to feel like a direction you'd actually want to take seriously? Probably around three years ago. Um, I was I had no idea that I even after high school still doing a lot of community theater. I had no idea film was really where I wanted to go. I always felt like something was missing, and he can attest to this. I always voiced my frustrations with the local theater scene, and then also just a lot of the creative aspects were very disappointing to me, and I wasn't sure why that was. Um, Meanwhile, 90% of the conversations we had in a theater setting were about film, Mm -hmm. and it just never clicked that that's why. Um, finally, I, I just got really tired of acting, and I was I was not getting cast for a period of time. So I produced a f- uh, theater production and directed it with a buddy of mine named Paul Shack. He's in New York now. He's doing well. Um, and that was my first experience directing, and that was sort of the spark. It was like, okay, I'm a director for sure. This is definitely my lane. So it went well. Yeah, it went, I thought it went really well. He actually acted in it, so... It uh, you can ask went him. well for him because he found his spark. <laughs> I would say uh, 50-50 on the cast enjoying that experience. Yeah, I would I would say probably less than 50. I, I was being nice. We picked a very taboo script in some aspects, okay. um, and then we, we put it together very haphazardly. We rehearsed for like two weeks, so it was very stressful. What was it about? It was the An Adult Evening of Shel Silverstein. Okay. It's um, most people know Shel Silverstein know as the is children's a, yeah, author. Yeah. He wrote a lot of adult content as well, specifically oh. for like Playboy magazine. Were they poems with um, little drawings? Short stories. Okay. Um, but same weird, um, twisted style that he's had, but adult themed. Um, and so it's ten vignettes. I did five, and my co-director did five. And where was the tension? Why did half the cast not enjoy it? Is it, I, I don't really remember. I, from from <laughs> how I viewed it, it was a lot of the back and forth of different people were there for different people. So, like, some people were there to work with Paul. Some people were there to work with Jesse. Um, they have different directing styles, so there was kind of Very different. Uh, some push and pull on that. And it... You, I mean, it was it's low low down, you know, underground theater, so you're rehearsing in any space you can find, um, any time you can find. And so it was a lot of the overall stress of just being in that level of theater performance where communication isn't always great and everything. Um, and some people didn't know each other that well. Like, I was brought in. I did. I knew, like, one other person in the cast. And Melissa. And then I was, I was asked to do this really – The hardest – Part, the yeah. hardest, most just like messed up part of the entire thing is this kind of like gross thing where this guy sells a woman to the audience. And I didn't know this girl at all, so I have to be like, okay, are we cool? Are we comfortable with this? And so there was – it was a tough – it was a tough yeah. – um, It was my first time video. directing. Paul had found his directing wings a little bit because he was a student at Johnny Carson. Okay. Um, I will 100% lay it out there. He knew what he was doing way more than I did. Um, I kind of brought him in to give it more credibility, mm-hmm. um, but it ended up definitely being a slight conflict how much better he was at directing theater actors than I was. Um, because I was not as good of an actor as he was, or I hadn't had as much directing experience at the time. Um, So, yeah, it was definitely um, frustrating at times. We had very different ideas about about how to approach things. Do you Um, feel like it was successful? Oh, yeah. We we had a good crowd come out. Um, People really dug it. 
So after that, you know you want to keep directing. Did you know you wanted to go into film after that? Not quite. Okay. I, I had tossed around the idea a bit. Jazz and I had talked about doing some film stuff for Red. That's really where it started. We were talking about doing some mixed media for Red Theater, maybe filming some of our stuff that we wrote and putting it on our Facebook page to draw attention. Um, and we were the only two people that really wanted to spearhead the film aspect of Red. Um, and then it, it became, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be Red. Maybe we work on a different film. Um but it, I would say even more time went by. Once I realized I wanted to do film, it was another year. I had a few projects all fall through before I had ever even done one, mm-hmm. which was not a good way to start. It's pretty normal, though. Yeah, I, would, I didn't realize it was normal at the time. I was very embarrassed. I had written a few things, and I, I had some stuff put together, and then some circumstances caused them to fall through, and I hadn't done anything with my with my name yet. I didn't have a brand, and I was already the person who hadn't been able to complete a project. Um, so I would say about a year, year and a half went by once I was interested in doing film before I actually completed a film project. Well, and they're also in this weird space where Nebraska, there are people making things, but it's not clear how to get involved or if they want help or what to do with any of that. It's very clicky. Very, yeah. you, they're all very nice, but they're all, they're doing their thing and they have their niche and mm-hmm. they, you know, want you to come help them out they're not going to pay you yeah. uh, most of the time and you're going to go be a PA or maybe you work with them long enough to get in but where's that going to you know where's that go from there right so I mean Lincoln has a few of the pretty prominent filmmakers like did I see you guys worked with uh, Josh Wexelman yeah I work with him frequently and he's got his group of people yep. uh, the Midnight Fright is yep. that what they are mm-hmm. yeah and so like, I didn't encountered them because uh, I used to go to the Prairie Lights Film Festival fairly often yep. did you guys ever go to that yeah I, I had a to go. I had a it's canceled it's over now. now you missed your chance but, yeah. they do have another film festival that's going to be this October oh that's right what's yeah. that one called again uh, Flatwater Film Festival yeah, it's going to be right. in York Nebraska I believe and it's spearheaded the, the board of people who are running it are Josh and Greg Gale who is also at Midnight Frights, um, Heather Waite, Patrick Lambrecht. Yeah. Um, so they're taking submissions now, and it's basically going to be in October, same time that Prairie Lights normally is. So there's not going to be a year without one. Did you guys get involved with them or any of the other local people making things? I worked um, – what really got me back on my feet, like wanting to make creative endeavors and, and like film, was working with uh, Mark Timian. So. Crazy smart. It's just like – Luck was ne- has never been on his side. I love Mark. Uh, hope that you hear this, Mark, and that I'm not ever one to badmouth you because you got me into film. Um, the Great guy. he's a really good guy, and he brought me on as a, a PA, and I learned how to, to how to to move lights around. You know, but he had a bunch of terminology because he had all the terminology for mm-hmm. filmmaking up there. Um, and I, I got to see working with him with uh, Dustin. Um, What's his last name? Ferguson. Ferguson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was working on a film for him, so I got to meet Dustin and work with Dustin's little group, who now he's in, you know, off in L.A. being big-time Z-list movie director, like, killing it out there. But, yeah, that was kind of getting back in with him, and then I worked um, a little bit with Dorothy Boreham. Oh, yeah. And Chad Offshold. They're smart people. They're very smart. Yeah. I want uh, to work with them more. I just, the time has never been on my side. I think I offended Chad once, and I feel bad about it. Uh, <laughs> it was, we, I was uh, hosting, or I was master of ceremonies at the Prairie Lights Film Festival a couple years ago, and 
there was like this meet and greet before the actual opening remarks. And so I had to go give the opening remarks and he was hosting the meet and greet beforehand. And I got up because I just wanted to go, I don't know, like pout somewhere before it started and like, all right, what am I going to say? How do I want to do this? And he was like, oh, hey, I wanted to talk to you. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm sure I'll find you later. And I think he took that as me blowing him off and <laughs> like, oh, he's not worth my time and I haven't talked to him since. But uh, I do respect him and I hope he doesn't feel that way. He's pretty down to earth. I would imagine he doesn't think too much about it just <laughs> from my interactions with him, but I could be incorrect in that. Yeah, it could be a feud. I should bring him on here and we can yeah. hash, it, hash out. it out. Yeah. So we both started mm, – in a sense, with Dustin Ferguson. Um, I actually started, Mark Timian was the DP on a feature film that I acted in. My first film sort of foray was acting still at the time. Um, and it was called Running Through Darkness. It played oh, yeah, at Fairy Lights. Yeah, I was the bartender in that. I was the best friend of the main character. That's right, yeah. Yeah. That was in a good the, movie. Yeah, and the newest version of it, my whole character's cut out. Oh. I didn't so know there was a new version of it. He's still playing around with it? He, I think he released it, or he's about too soon. He's been messing around with it off and on for the last couple of years, and he messaged me recently and was like, you know, for time purposes, your character got cut. And even the final ver- even the version that premiered at Prairie Lights, he cut some of my stuff that was already in it from before. Um, so that was my first thing. I went right into acting in a film for Dustin Ferguson. It was the last thing he did before he left for L.A. Literally, his car was full of his clothes. He was leaving like the next week. Wow. Which one was um, that one? It's called Conjuring Curse. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a fun one. So I acted in those two things, and then I went about um, a year before I directed something. After a break, I'll continue my conversation with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick, filmmakers behind the new production company Gnarly Pioneers, about their films The Hero, The Feed, and upcoming projects they intend to shoot in Nebraska. Wherever or however you're listening to this podcast right now, you should take a moment and check out Stitcher. For those who don't know, Stitcher is a free podcast app for iPhone and Android and home to over 260,000 podcasts. Stitcher also has smart recommendations, playlists, a car mode, even a sleep timer. While the Stitcher app is free to use, they also offer a premium subscription called Stitcher Premium that has exclusive bonus episodes from top shows, exclusive shows from top hosts, and ad-free listening all for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Like pop culture, you can listen to exclusive bonus episodes from Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness or LeVar Burton Reads, plus get early access to episodes of The Dream, plus many more on Stitcher Premium. Go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use promo code Riverside on the monthly plan to get your first month free. From Omaha Public Radio, I'm Emily Chen Newton, and you're listening to Made in the Middle, how the Midwest made over America. The podcast that's part history and culture and part science, and all about how the Midwest has influenced the United States as a whole. But here's the thing. I am not from the Midwest, so in every episode I do the research and then I sit down with someone who is from here, and together we explore the stories of famous persons, products, inventions, social movements, and cultural beliefs that got their start right here in the middle of America. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick, filmmakers behind the new production company Gnarly Pioneers. Their films The Hero and The Feed both premiered at the Prairie Lights Film Festival. And Gnarly Pioneers is gearing up to shoot additional projects in Nebraska once COVID restrictions have been lifted. 
And so, okay, you directed something, but there had been several sort of false yeah. starts. Eventually, something actually happened, though. What was the first one you got to direct? The first thing I did was the Omaha 48-hour film challenge of 2018. Okay. Yeah, 2018. That's good because it actually forces you to commit to it. Exactly, yeah. "Eh, It might not be great, but uh, I'm going to make something here. So the false starts happened in between the two acting gigs and when I directed something, and I was very heartbroken by one. Um, And so as soon as I saw the 48-hour thing, I was like, this is easy. It's a lot low pressure. Um, I don't have to put a lot of money into this. Um, I pretty much just willed it into existence and got that's a group together. what you have together. to do, I mean, just in general. But that's I assume yeah. that sort of teaches you how to put all the factors together anyway. Yeah, that was the real catalyst for, for everything that happened after. That was, um, you know, the the project itself turned out pretty good. I think it's about what we wanted. Um, I wasn't amazed by, by the actual experience of the making of the film. Um, but that was spiritually when i really knew okay this was this is the direction i've probably been not clear on where you know ongoing yeah. what, were, what were the rules for it that year um so it has to be five minutes or under okay we drew our genres from a from like a thing at random mm-hmm. um so you have to have the genre that you that you draw um there's a line of dialogue you have to use and there's a prop that you have to use. Yeah. What were, what were the line of dialogue and the prop? Do you remember? The line of dialogue was, it doesn't usually do that. Okay. And the prop was a, uh, what is that called? One of those things that have your... your Cigarette roller? No, your information, like contacts in it. Rolodex? Rolodex. Okay. And I drew sci-fi. So a Rolodex <laughs> is not going to fit into a sci-fi very That might well. be, yeah, the first sci-fi it's, movie to have a Rolodex in it. steampunk, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, our approach was pretty pretty standard. As soon as we draw, it's the only thing I didn't want. I had already had some basic ideas, but I had none for sci-fi. I had at least two or three for all the other genre options. Um, and so when we drew sci-fi, I was like, okay, we really need to lean on the comedy. If you're making a shoestring budget sci-fi short, no one's going to take it seriously. Play right. into that. Don't yeah. make it um, effects focused. Don't make it too story focused. <laughs> so how did the Rolodex end up in there? Um, basically, the story was that there's a guy who makes robot guys. He makes like um, they look like humans. <laughs> okay. And uh, he has there's a woman there who's looking for one to do housework on her house. She doesn't want to pay to have contractors come do it. So she meets with this sketchy doctor and he shows her all his different his different options and she's not really interested in any of them for whatever reasons and so he finally goes into his rolodex which is where he has his his list of all his different ones and he's like oh i found the perfect one perfect that's a nice yeah. dramatic moment right? yeah yeah okay so were you in that one jazz no i don't, I don't think no jazz wasn't involved in that yet he didn't come on for a couple more projects so, did you did you know you wanted to bring him back in though? Oh yeah, we, we had talked off and on for years about certain films. We've met off and on. We've kind of written some things. We've conceptualized some stuff. Um, but you had just begun working at the news station, I believe. So you were really yeah. swamped, and you were pretty much invested in learning a lot at that point in time about your about your job. It was a very um, high high stress. You know, learning everything. No, if I if this if I tried to do this, it would have been a distraction. And also, the hours were awful. It was uh, I worked three forty-five in the morning to twelve forty-five in the afternoon as a director over there at uh, KLN in Lincoln. And I I didn't do anything with anyone for 
year and a half. Yeah, you just went home and slept. It was it was it was honestly like one of the lowest parts of my existence was start was it was a really high point of getting the job, but it, I thought I was getting out of this like rut there, and then I kind of like plateaued again into this job where I'm like I'm learning a lot. It's very interesting. It's in, it's exciting. You're directing live newscasts. But I'm stagnant here now yeah. that I've learned everything. It took me a year to learn everything, and for that next half a year, it was just, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then finally, I got a job, uh, my current job, at in the creative department of the news station. And now I'm actually getting to do the thing I want to do with really nice cameras. Well, decent cameras. Decent cameras. Uh, I get to use Adobe, all the whole Adobe Creative Suite. So I've been learning After Effects. I've been learning Premiere. And it feels like I'm finally back in the saddle of what I wanted to do and where I kind of fell off. Um, and part of that was, you know, Jesse bringing me back out to the creative side of things because I didn't do anything creative for that year and a half. So you were uh, ready. I was, it was just... I asked him, by the way, on both of the films that I did before he officially kind of got involved, I asked him to get involved, but he just was too busy. So mm-hmm. we'd always been on each other's radar. We, for a long time, I don't really see a lot of them anymore. But we have a lot of the same friends through our theater experiences. So we saw each other regularly, and we'd, we'd touch base on projects. And it was always kind of known that we would eventually get together on something when it was a good time. Um, but there was a time where he was less available, and mm-hmm. I was ready to start rolling. So um, so what was the project that finally brought you together? Uh, it was a script that Josh Wexman wrote, actually. Um, it, w- it premiered at this last Prairie Lights. It's called The Feed. It's a horror okay. short. Um, Josh, I originally auditioned for it because I kind of was aching to get back involved after the film I did between the 48-hour film and, the, and this one. Uh, and he knew that I directed as well, and they ended up casting someone else in something. And he's like, hey, you know, we didn't cast you in this, but I have another film, and uh, you can have whatever character you want in that. So I originally was in the feed as an actor, and as we were discussing the details and he sort of saw where my head was at, he offered me to direct it instead. That's got to be and exciting, right? Jazz was my DP on that. Oh, nice. Okay. So Josh Wexman short. It's a horror high concept is my guess. Uh, nah. Can we call it – can we call it – what, what's the what's the better? It's not high concept. <laughs> no, okay. not high this, concept. This wasn't like this wasn't Andrew Nichols, you know, doing Gattaca. Um, no, but I feel Josh has done like zombie stuff. He's done haunted house stuff, right? He's yeah, done, this was like a cannibal. It was very stylistically reminiscent of um, like Texas Chainsaw. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. Um, that, maybe that's what. Maybe high concept was the wrong it, way to go about he, that. But it's definitely like there's there's social commentary in it. Um, but I just. It needed longer to, to simmer, and so it ended up being more of a short slashing, slasher hero flick yeah. than it would have been if maybe given yeah, a Final hour. Girl sort of vibe, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's got to be a fun experimental sort of thing where it's like, all right, I can play with a lot of genres, play with yeah. things that have probably been in your head since you were in high school. Yeah. How did it go? It went really well, I yeah. think, yeah. Um, I was I spent surprised a, how yeah. well we worked together. <laughs> I spent a lot more time... Um, on the project I had done before, I actually wrote that one myself, and it was the first thing that I had really put the whole thing together, locations. I put a lot of money into it, and it, it kind of missed the mark a little bit in some mm-hmm. ways. There are definitely some things about it that I'm proud of, but it, it didn't quite get there. Which one was that? Um, it's called The Hero. Okay. Um, and did that one, was that a feature or was that a short? It was a short as okay. well, yeah. So far, just shorts. 
Um, we're actually editing a, a longer short, the, the most recent thing I've done. It's about 30 to 35 minutes. Um, but this was about 15 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really, didn't really hit the mark. And so everyone that I've shown all of my work to thinks that the, the horror one is the most entertaining. So Well, sometimes uh, I yeah. think it is useful. So, like, in this case, since you hadn't written it, just you couldn't overthink it the same way you can when it's something that you That was exactly it. I didn't write it. There was a lot less pressure. Um, it really showed – and that's one of the main things that asked, that caused me to approach jazz about kind of being a co-artistic director with me as we move forward – um, even though we have a lot of varying opinions on things, uh, we disagree in a lot of respects in film, but we've known each other long enough that we kind of speak a shorthand. Mm-hmm. Um, it made the entire process a lot easier. Um, on The Hero, for instance, I was working with um, like Cody Jones was my DP. Uh, Kyle Ranney, he does a lot of mm-hmm. uh, work. He was my head grip, and uh, I had a lot of cast that I didn't know that well. Uh, I spent a lot of money on it, but it was my first real thing as a director, mm-hmm. aside from the little 48-hour thing. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure. I didn't really stick to my guns a ton. I just kind of went um, – I let the other people who were involved who were there to to serve the vision, I let them kind of lead. I was very passive because um, I didn't want to upset anyone. I didn't want anyone to think that I thought I knew more than they did. Um, and then by the time I learned from that, I saw – the footage and some of it was not what I wanted and I was like okay it doesn't really matter what you're insecure about you need to just command right and so on the on the set of the feed it was much different I was kind of you're screaming at everybody <laughs> oh definitely not screaming but I was <laughs> I was calm. just like this is what I want it's hard to be calm let's on a film have set. it is he call, he's a calm he, director so I was surprised yeah. no having worked with yeah. him on a, on a fair amount of just you know different artistic settings yeah. This was me getting to see him having grown a bit mm-hmm. um, from the last time we worked together. And you were very calm. There were times when you definitely, I could tell you were getting stressed out. Yeah. It was also like 110 degrees in a barn. Yeah, oh my goodness. Uh, and so we it were all one little sweating fan plugged yeah. in. It was, through. It, it was one of those things where th- things would slow down and it, you know, there were times when it was better to be slow and like, you were very good at taking it and like piecing together a thing, and then I like I would could come in as the DP, but also kind of I'm giving a little direction here and there. I uh, wasn't sure how much of it I could do, and then as we kind of it took it didn't take us long to get a kind of a given play where he's got the it's like a, a shepherd and a sheepdog, <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. hurting the sheep. Where he's got the shepherd, he knows the direction he wants to go, and he's kind of like doing it, and then I'm out there. You know, this, this, here's where we're going to make this easier. We're going to do this quicker. we got to do this quicker because we're all going to get heat stroke. Like, let's, and it was such a high temperature, yeah. both literally and physically, that it it kind of birthed this this idea that we actually work really well together. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like it was just like maybe a fever dream in general of a project, it right? It felt like I mean, it. So yeah, it really probably was. aids a slasher movie in general. Yeah, man, right? the, everyone looks like they're, in, they're just <laughs> super scared because they are melting and they're <laughs> dehydrated and they've been captured yeah. for weeks maybe. You don't know. That was one of the keys to it and me learning how, how much more suited for this I am. Um, I've always, even when I'm confident in something, I have a pretty – clear nervous energy um and pretty much on all sets i've worked on there's just such a calmness um it just doesn't feel like like a work you know it just feels like something that should be happening and i kind of i'm able to take it more in stride if you're just joining us 
Today I'm talking with Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick, whose new film company, Gnarly Pioneers, had two films premiere at the Prairie Lights Film Festival. They're currently working on additional shorts and features that they intend to shoot in Nebraska once COVID restrictions are lifted. So we edited the feed together as well, mm-hmm. um, predominantly him. He's the one who's familiar with the software. Mm-hmm. Um, I just gave him some feedback, and, and um, the editing was, was the most oppressive part. We had a very short amount of time to put it together, and we had a very similar idea on the, on the style we wanted to have. Um, it deferred a little bit from what Josh was wanting. I would say that was the main thing. But Josh is pretty easygoing, right? I mean, he was. Uh, that was the only stressful thing on set. Is now that I directed my own thing, you know, directing something that you haven't written has less pressure. But he was there on set as a producer during the whole filming. Um, so it was a balance of you know how how much do I want him to feel ownership over something that he's relinquished to me mm-hmm. and how much do I need to cut it off and say, you know, I'm the director here. So that was, that was the only real thing that I felt like I needed to work through on set. Everything else felt pretty natural. Okay. The production company is Gnarly Pioneers. Yeah. Gnarly Pioneers Film Co. What's, what's the story of that name? It's all him. And yeah. Um, I just like the name. So I don't he know. likes the word gnarly. <laughs> it's right, actually, the Pioneers thing was the major focus. Um, I actually, years back wanted to have a theater company called Nightly Pioneers. No, you've been hanging um, on to this name for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wanted, I don't know. I feel like my film taste is very different than the average filmmakers. I have a very specific kind of influence, but also um, not films that are typically mentioned by a lot of filmmakers. And so um, I've always wanted to start sort of as a pioneer. I wanted to try to, make things that that only I could make. While being gnarly. Yeah. Okay. And then the gnarly thing is just like, I need another cool buzzword to offset the right. pioneer. If it was Pioneers films, you'd think they're all like Old West yeah. sort of things. Yeah. Uh, but you, you do have a lot of projects coming up this year, right? Yes. We, yeah. What What's Hopefully. in the pipeline? Yeah. What, what, do, what do you got? What do you got coming up? A lot up? of things have changed. Um, I'll let Jazz chat a little bit about what we're working on now. Okay. <laughs> so the next thing we're working on is a silent film, very... Chapman very like we want it to give it that look of old timey film that stuttery frame rate Mm -hmm. and just have fun very slapstick um, and just play around with this these lesser these conventions that are very restricting but very fun and over the top we both you know we both love slapstick comedy so it's going to be fun to get very physical actors out there who can't talk they have to emote Um, is that that a short or a feature it's a short Short. okay That's probably smart just from a business perspective, right? I mean, yeah. So Silent is is <laughs> he's a little niche. A lot of work yeah. Out of there. Right. Um, yeah. To piggyback off of that, so this is a script I wrote a few months ago. It's been something in my mind for years. Actually, I finally wrote it. Um, took it to the. I go to the Omaha Table Read every couple months whenever I have something to share. Um, got some really good feedback on that. Um, so I think we're pretty much ready to move forward with what we have. It's just a matter of. Uh, finishing paying off some of the stuff from the last project and, mm. and getting some stuff saved up, but it's a uh, it's a romance comedy and it's kind of got a little bit of Frankenstein in there. It's a sort of an adaptation of Frankenstein as well. Oh, okay, well, it's a lot to wrap my head around yeah. already. Okay, yeah. So, so we're, yeah, that is that's that the, the iPhone 11 one is after this one. Yeah, okay. we're gonna try to shoot something on iPhones. Um, my co-writer also has an iPhone 11, so we'll probably do two cameras. Um, that's pretty much all we have now. There's a lot of actors I've worked with or that want to work with. I've reached out 
and I'm I'm kind of going to write roles specific for those actors. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to tell sort of what it is to live in Nebraska and what it is to be an artist. So we've we've kicked around a few concepts, um, but the main sort of influence for the style would be. Um, like a waking life, something that's a lot of like almost stream of consciousness, very conversation based. A waking life. Um, that's a weird movie. Like that's one yeah. of those ones. Like, I feel like that was just a weird dream I had one day. It, yeah. Much. I, yes. I love that movie. Um, he's probably tired of hearing me talk about it, but Richard Linklater is my all time favorite filmmaker. So, all right. Um, you got lists of, of it. Stuff. What are the top three Linklater films? Uh, Dazed and confused. Number one, um, the before trilogy would, would fall. Uh, well, actually boyhood would be two. And okay. then, before Midnight is my favorite of the Before Trilogy. Okay. I go Before um, Sunset. That one's my favorite. Sunset's my third favorite of the three. So <laughs> Interesting. Kinda, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I would go Midnight, Sunrise, Sunset. But those would be, like, my top five. I feel like Sunset, the tension is so much – I mean, the tension is more dramatic, certainly, in Midnight. But, I don't know, something about the unspoken elements of, yeah. the, first, of the second one. Just, I, think, I think Sunset uses silence the best, yeah. for sure. And then I think Sunset has the best ending of the three, for sure, I when he's sitting ending. on the couch. Um, and he's going to miss his flight. I think there's a lot of stuff about it that I like. It just It's a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a f- – I don't think you get a full fleshed out story like you do in the first two. No, because it's just um, – I mean, intentionally, it's just that moment. Yeah, it seems to be missing a few elements for me. Um, and then, I don't know, their performances, I think, are the best in Midnight as well. I think they just constantly matured as actors, and their sure. performances get better as they go. Is that a type of project you'd want to mimic someday, where you oh, yeah, revisit that's characters? kind of what I'm always doing. Um, not necessarily revisiting characters, but just his style is something that appeals to me a lot. I love um, dialogue-heavy film. Um, that's especially, all, it's tough, though. I mean, it's tough to make that yeah. actually as entertaining as you want it to be. Yeah, we're learning that now. That's that's one of the things we differ on is that whereas he's the – he is very dialogue-focused, very – wants it to be very um, – the things Sorkin-esque. that are said. Yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, the things that are said, he wants to pull the, the right emotions out. I'm a very visual person. That's why I end up DP or, you know, mm-hmm. editor is because I'm – all about what can I do that's unique visually? What can I do that is dramatic and interesting? And that's why, like, for Linklater, like, those ones, I didn't even see those ones, but I'm all about, um, like, Romeo and Juliet. Not the best adaptation of that, but it's visually stunning. Talk about the Boslerman one? Oh, shoot, I got my, my, my directors mixed up now. And yes, I don't even know Richard Linklater that well. That's where we're at. Is that <laughs> There's going to be some tension on the drive home. Between oh, it is. Two. We're gonna, he's going to hate oh, me for now. Uh, I don't like... Buzz Lerman, yeah, he's, he's definitely innovative but, but visually for sure. That's who That's who I'm inspired by. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I got confused. Greg Gatsby there. is also yes. Buzz Lerman. Oh, yeah, I, know, the, yeah. I know his movies. Okay. <laughs> just I just did, My brain got mixed up on the Linklater thing. And I'm, I mean, he's, he's almost like information overload. It's a lot, and that's... I don't necessarily need that much in in every shot because it can be too much, but I love the feeling that you get of being swept away by visuals. Um, Wes Anderson, yeah, I was just another person that that I'm huge Wes Anderson film. He does a very good job of tying these very simple, fun, childlike stories with visuals that are right out of a storybook, that are right out of a postcard, that are right out of some some poster he saw once. And Um, I'm pretty medium on him. yeah. Yeah. And so that's where we kind of we, we go back and forth as far as visual versus content. Finding of emergence story. of that has been pretty fun. It um, has. On our last project, 
Um, Jazz is editing now. We're kind of working on that together. Um, I wrote and directed, and Cy Chalara was the DP on mm-hmm. that. Um, he's done shot, a lot of stuff locally. Yeah, he's fantastic. We shot on his red right before he switched over cameras, so um, I was really thankful that we still had the opportunity to shoot on a red because who knows when we'll do that again. Um, and that's it's very it's very my style. And as we're editing, I'm trying to have as much opportunity to have jazz influence the visual appeal to it. Um, it's just a sort of drama it's also got a romance aspect i'm not really that into romance but i guess lately i've been been working that around <laughs> it's it. in there somewhere yeah. 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 You know. yeah it's very it's very dialogue heavy it follows two sort of couples and it goes back and forth between the two throughout um and we've got some fun things we've done with with camera and that but really trying to get the visual stuff to pop is what we're working on now in post yeah that's exciting so okay the upcoming projects what are they called the one that we're in editing now is called Today and Yesterday. And that one, that's not the short, or it's not the silent film, right? That's, no. Okay, the silent film hasn't one? been filmed yet. Okay. Today and Yesterday, what's that one about again? Um, so we filmed that in October. That's the one we're editing now. And it's it's about two couples. Um, okay. It that's what you were just a, talking yeah, about. Yeah. It starts okay. with a dinner. And um, you learn that these two people um, don't know each other that well. It could be a first date. You don't really know what's going on. Um, but pretty shortly after that, um, you discover that the the guy is best friends with the woman's husband. Okay. And uh, they're kind of breaking the ice, so it's it's very auspicious what what could be happening. Um, and then it cuts to the next scene, which is her husband and his wife in bed together, and uh, you basically discover that their spouses have been having an affair. And while they were both out of town on work, they basically recommended that they hang out with each other spending you know keep each other company while they're while they're away at work nice so you got some nice dramatic irony to play with yeah so it goes back and forth between the two and so that one what's the plan for it i mean our release date is slated for like august for having it done just in time for off so we'll probably submit it um we'll submit it to a few other things as well um let it make its run if it's going to play anywhere and then we'll release it on on the website is there an intention to stay in nebraska for you guys or are you gonna you gonna jump ship as soon as you can uh i'll let you go first i definitely have a plan yeah uh, our the 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 short-term plan is to work on as many projects in nebraska as possible Mm -hmm. to find to get other people involved and to just kind of carve our own piece of that 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 cake that is Nebraska film scene which it's a big cake there's still a lot of pieces left and there's still a lot of ways you can go about it it's not saturated mm-hmm. um, and so the the kind of goal for us is to get you know do projects do different things come up with different ideas and put together portfolios and then for me it's kind of what ha- whatever happens with my my girlfriend right now she's going through school once she's done with that we'll have kind of open opportunities I'd personally like to travel somewhere with, um, like, Atlanta or down to Texas where the film scenes are a little different, a little more both uh, creative and lucrative. You can go work with Linklater down there. No, because I would mix up all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Love Gatsby. Hilariously, so <laughs> um, I'm actually going to move to Austin, Texas in, in oh. that's where I, that's period the, of time. That's where I want to go. Um, okay, before I let you go, are there any other things you guys want to plug, anything we want to talk about here? Uh, yeah. I would say go to the Gnarly Pioneers Film Co. Facebook page, give us a like. 
Um, very shortly, by the time this is out, we'll have our website up. So I would say that's a really good place to start. And then you can you can follow us to our site. We'll have any upcoming news about projects we have going on. We'll have all of our past catalog available, everything that's been completed, um, and then information regarding um, the people who typically do projects with us, some bios for us, and some past work and things like that. So all the information you could possibly need about what um, we're about is going to be on that website. So go to the Facebook page to get access to that. I mean, I'm here to plug Gnarly Pioneers. That's pretty much what I'm working on. Uh, and then quick shout out to Red Theater, just because I know we've talked about them much. Uh, if you, if anyone's in Lincoln, loves avant-garde theater, they're awesome. They're always doing new things. So No, yeah, it's been a blast um, getting to start working with him again. I think we're definitely on to something with our next few projects. Um, largely, more than even Red Theater and some of these other aspects, I don't think we'd be where we are now if I didn't live on your couch for a few months. Oh, yeah. Months. Shout out to my couch. Yeah. <laughs> your futon. <laughs> yeah. So there was a period of time where I didn't really have anywhere to go, and I was living on his couch for a few months. Um, and we were not particularly close at that time. We worked together. We didn't have any issues. Um, but that's where we, our bond actually grew, and we, we discovered our, our tastes and things like that. Just sat and watched movies and bad TV and Beastmaster together. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great story. Thanks for talking to me today. Hey, thank thank you. you for having us so much. Jesse Snyder and Jazz Shenick's company, Gnarly Pioneers, now has a website, gnarlypioneersfilms.com. You can follow all updates on their upcoming projects there, as well as check out their past work, including their 48-hour film festival entry and the shorts that played at the Prairie Lights Film Festival, The Feed and The Hero. They also have a YouTube channel you can follow. All kinds of options to check out the great local films being made. Riverside Chats is produced in conjunction with KIOS and Exarbon Creative. You can find our backlog of conversations wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a review. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork and website are done by Ben Matuguitz. Next week, we'll play a conversation with Connor Brandt and Jordan Gall of the fantastic local band, The Real Zebos. Thank you for listening. I am Tom Noblock.